Well, thanks for joining us today on the Hopecast. Here we are, episode one. So excited to be bringing you each and every week or so hope-filled comeback stories and conversations that will radically change your life. We are your hosts, Lance and Allie Lang. That's right. Yeah, the Hopecast is brought to you by Hope is Alive Ministries. HIA is 18 intentional, next-level, sober living homes in five cities across three states, and we provide community-based support groups called Finding Hope for loved ones of addicts in 13 locations, but right now, only online. That's right. You can find out more about HIA at hopeisalive.net or more about Finding Hope at findinghope.today. Well, here we are. We've been waiting to do this for quite a long time. We've actually been asked to do a podcast multiple times by a lot of different people. I've always put it off. But again, one of the many blessings, trying to see the opportunities amidst the obstacles of corona and the quarantine, was that we were able to to see that this might be something that folks wanted to listen to, and we had some energy for and some passion for. Mm -hmm. And so here we are. Can you believe it? I cannot. It has been a long journey. First of all, I'm just excited to you know be here with you. Well, yeah, anytime we can spend more time together is a good thing. So that's good. Uh-huh. Yes. It's kind of tongue in cheek. We where we, where we have a minutes. producer on the other side of us so that, you know, the third person helps moderate okay. the conversations. You think we need a moderator? You know, if we just could have someone follow us around our house and, and throw out like yellow flags every now and again. <laughs> Some caution flags would be good. I feel like that would be a good thing for us. I would agree. I would agree. We're going to talk a lot about that today, but let me give you a little bit of backstory and some understanding as to what you can expect on the Hopecast. We're going to be putting out, we hope to be a couple pods a month, hopefully one every other week. And it is our sincerest hope that these podcasts will help you as the listener radically changed your life, no matter who you are, no matter what walk of life you're coming from, we believe this will be valuable content for you. So how can you help us get the word out? Well, we would love for you to start out giving us a five-star review. Yes, we know this is episode one, but come on, we deserve it. Help us get this word out. Five-star review, write what you think about today's episode, share on social media, subscribe to the podcast. Let's get the word of mouth going so we can get some traction going on the Hopecast early on. We know that the first few weeks are really important for a podcast, so we would ask for your help in helping people understand how they can connect with the Hopecast and be filled each and every week with hope. A couple things we're going to try to provide each and every episode, a hope-filled conversation that includes a comeback story that I think will really inspire you. It is our desire to have content, stories, discussions, that will help you make the right changes in your life that will lead to radical life change. This could be in your health. It could be in your recovery. Allie, it could be in your spiritual life, your mindset, your business, your professional development, your self-development. Every area of your life, I think, will be helped and encouraged by listening to the Hopecast each and every episode. Value soap content, actionable takeaways. You're not going to want to miss it. Make sure that you're subscribing right now. By the way, down the road, we're going to have some incredible guests. Actually, right out the shoot, the next few episodes, we've got some great guests lined up. Are you excited to interview those guests to hear some comeback stories? Absolutely. You know, so often uh, we get to be on the front lines of this and hear incredible stories that not everyone has the opportunity that is right. to hear. And so if you want to be inspired, man, you are in the right 
place today. I think that's a great point because we're going to share some stories that some folks might not know and some comeback stories from Hope is Alive residents and people that we've walked um, with their, through their, their comeback stories. But we're also going to talk to people that I think folks would recognize, folks that are in the community, folks that are in the public eye, folks that are coming from different walks of life, from business backgrounds, from comeback stories, maybe in uh, their health or in their sobriety or in their business, all types of different folks we're going to be bringing to you each and every episode. You're not going to want to miss it. So one more time, make sure you're subscribed. We're also going to have a theme each and every episode. Allie, do you know what today's theme is? I do. It is, drum roll, Mm -hmm. restoration in relationships. That's right. We're starting out in the deep waters. We're going to do a deep dive into our relationship. Are you ready for this? People have been asking. You know, I was really hesitant to start out like this, but folks have been asking to hear a little bit of our story. And you know, most I'm of our sure, life. I'm is, still not sure to be honest. Most of my you. life, I say, is public. Some of this stuff on your end is not as much, um, but certainly our some of our relationship, I think, will will prove to help people. That's the entire point of the Hopecast is that as you tell stories, you're able to connect with other people's pain to find inspiration in how other people were able to restore or come back or uh, find a new path to radical life change. And, mm-hmm. you know, what better way to start than right there in the deep waters of our relationship and, and walk yeah. people through that. There's nothing like, hey, nice to meet you. Now go ahead and tell me your 15 most embarrassing moments of your life. That's right. <laughs> Let's start right now. Let's begin with how we yeah. How oh, we, we were a hot mess. That is for sure. We met at a little place, a little establishment. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and tell them. We might as well. <laughs> Called Baker Street Bar and Grill. Oh, my goodness. It's no longer there, so you can't visit it. But, uh, you know, I went out with, I had just moved to Oklahoma, and uh, I went out with uh, my only friend here. Mm-hmm. And um, she took me there, and little did I know that this guy would walk up to me and his pickup line. Are you ready for his pickup line? Oh, God, you're tell, say that. Well, Lance, you're the one that wanted to go here. Yeah. Go he said, uh, you're cute. What's your name? Oh, man. And I was like, I'm all in. Yeah, I was going to the best lines there, just jumping right in. Just jumping right in. Just followed me around like a little gnat on a I did. pair. Yeah, I, I really did. I was smitten. I, I watched you walk in. I remember this very clearly. And, you know, we're not proud of necessarily where we were, but that's where we were. So it is what it is. We don't have another story. We just have ours. Yep. And so we, uh, I saw her walk in, and I, I was really smitten. I was curious. I think that's a great way to put it. I was like, who is this little firecracker walking in here? It was as if the entire room watched you walk in, and certainly the group that we were in. You okay. Know, I'm just telling you my perspective on it. Oh. I'm not lying about it. And I, I watched that interaction just real quickly and I wanted to know who you were. And I actually saw a few other guys that were with our group begin to take that like half step towards talking to you. And I just jumped right out there in front and man, the rest is kind of history. I know. <laughs> so you're saying it could have been any one of them. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, I believe in the sovereignty of God. So I, I, I certainly believe that you were, you were meant to be mine. Uh, I agree with that, Lance. But oh, we met cool. there, and it was a quick romance, if you will. It really was train so, wreck romance. Same thing. You know, let's set some some context to our relationship a little bit for the listeners. There's kind of three parts, three seasons of our relationship. There's the the early first engagement period, right? Uh-huh. There's the the sabbatical period, as your family likes to call it, mm-hmm. and then um, 
I don't even know what we can call the third one, but kind of what we're living in today. Um, yeah. Marriage. We'll marriage. That. That's good. Yeah. That's a, that's a good, yeah. Perfect. So uh, We are married, so. <laughs> sure. So season one, the first season really is, is us honestly jumping in to the relationship pretty quickly, really not having a whole lot of idea of what we were doing. Let's just lay the scene out here. So after we met at the bar, um, we uh, my friend would not give Lance my phone number. So he had to wait a week to call me. And then finally he did. And our conversation was like four or five hours. So you can just imagine how it went from there. That yeah. It was life and fast forward. Back that up. It was actually the friend worked for me and in a previous business and I couldn't get your number. So I literally went to her office and had to put some boss pressure on her and said, Hey, I'm going to need that. No, number. you did not. I'm going to need that number. Okay. You and, never told me that. Well, you know, you got to do what you got to do. I think that's what you call uh, abusing so, your power. Young lady, I'm going to need that number because I got to call this lady. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I did. I find it took me a few days to get the courage. And I think you, if you've, walk through this listeners you know that sometimes it takes you some some time to get some courage to make that first call it's not like today's world when you're swiping and meeting people in different places it's old school pick up the phone call them saturday it was a saturday night i remember this i was at the you lake at the lake I, I was sitting in my duplex that i was living at the time I said okay here we go here we go dial the number here we go give her a call walking around pacing did i answer give her the call you answer and like you said Literally, we were on the phone for four or five hours. Yeah. Boom, right off the gate. Mm -hmm. mm, unbelievable. And after four or five hours, we were convinced we fully knew each other. That's right. And That's it was right. time to move the relationship forward. You know, we're, we're being very honest and vulnerable, so we continue in that theme. I think it's important and healthy for people to, to hear, you know, the truth, because I know we're not alone in some of the things that we did, some of the mistakes that we made. We didn't do things the right way. Um, we did it really quickly. It was six months uh, of a, before we before I proposed, and, and that was really quick. We weren't really sure what we were doing. Is that fair? Yes. And so it, in those first six months or so was a, a lot of fights. We didn't know who we were. I mean, I think that's a, a better way to say it. And I should preface it by saying I was active in my addiction, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's an important takeaway, um, just understanding just how much the addiction impacts relationships, right? Yeah. I mean, there was uh, I think we could say we fell in love or whatever that was well, really, really quickly. And um, I think uh, we got engaged. Yeah. Like you said, six months later, and then some weird stuff started to happen right after that. My dad would kept on telling me there is something wrong with him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there is just something wrong with him, Allie. And, um, but not really able to put our fingers on exactly what it is. Cause you know, I've, I've never, I had never been around addiction until Lance. And so I was completely oblivious that there was this massive secret that you were hiding from me. Wow. Um, and, uh, I think we, we cracked the door a little bit. Um, yeah, I think a lot of addicts, when they're they're wanting help subconsciously, but they can't really ask for it fully, they'll throw out teasers to maybe satisfy them, you know, in their spirit as well. At least I told somebody this, or at least I told them I'm dabbling, or something like that. And I, I did that with you a few times. I think you said you were dabbling. <laughs> um, you would start to do some strange things, like not go to work until 11 a.m. Mm. 
Um, you would nod out on the couch every night in front of a fresh bowl of tuna sashimi. Yeah, you love to tell that story. And because uh, <laughs> it's just so horrifying. Uh, and so it was it was a slow progress, but I'll never forget exactly where I was when you said, hey, I, I'm having trouble taking these pills. And um, I thought I did what I think probably most of you can relate to if you're in my shoes, which is, OK, well, um, just give them to me what you have right now. I'll throw them away in the trash can and we'll just like be live happily ever after. The end, end of podcast, and yeah. that's that's what happened. That's that's what you, that's, that, that's it. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Let's just skip right on over all of those juicy stories between you telling me and you going to treatment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now we're going to get into it, but I think it's important, you know, that for people to understand. And we're not trying to break out, but just to get through the story a little bit faster. Um, the engagement didn't happen. It didn't. It ended. Right. And the marriage, right. The wedding didn't happen. The engagement ended. And, and that was because, like you were saying, a lot of your family began to see what yeah. was happening because you couldn't. I Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they would see you in bits and pieces and, and just know something was off versus it being right in front of you every day. You know, I don't think you recognize it as much or as quickly. And so um, eventually what happened um, is I knew that Lance was dabbling. And so my sister um, invited me to come over and watch her kiddos uh, one night. And um, she had just had surgery probably the day before. And I went over there and Lance called and he said, Hey, I'm going to bring you dinner, all of you guys dinner. And I just thought my heart started pumping and I thought, what a sweet man I've got. And so he shows up and we eat dinner and I go to put the kids to bed and, um, no, don't notice anything. My sister comes home and we leave. And within an hour, my mom is calling me and saying, Lance stole your sister's pain meds hmm. the day, not 24 hours after she has had surgery and she has nothing left. And do you want your dad to lose his license by trying to prescribe this? And we're trying to get the doctor out of bed to, to do it. Her original doctor. And she just said, there is a problem with him. I cannot believe that he would do this to us. Wow. That's hard to hear. I yeah. Mean, even, this many it's been a decade but it's it's tough to tough to take yourself back there i know we have a lot of listeners who have, have walked through this journey have either you know played the role of me in that story or the family member whether that's the the mom or the yeah or the sister or you i think it's pretty interesting that um there wasn't hesitation there wasn't a question um, they knew immediately who had done it. I know. And so that was really kind of shattering to me was they'd been, they've known about this the whole time and we're probably just scared to say anything. I think that's kind of leads to our first takeaway for today. And that's the ripple effect of addiction yeah. on everyone involved. And so I'd like for you to speak to that a little bit because you've walked through it. You've experienced it. You know, addiction doesn't just impact the one person. If you're listening and you're not sure how this works, you know, we'd say on average 10 to 15 people, this, you know, personally, directly impacts them. That's certainly the case in our story. And so I'm full blown at this point. 
40, 50 pills a day, complete destruction. And how does this impact your life and, and those that are around you? I think um, it impacts every single part of your life and and everyone I love, not just your family, but my family as well. Oh, for sure. And um, ultimately, I think the hardest thing it did to me was really shatter this. I couldn't understand why someone that I loved didn't love me enough to just stop. Ultimately. It, it that was just like the most heartbreaking thing. And so I feel like I just tried to rescue and rescue and rescue and rescue um, all while getting the same result of you continuing to use and use and use and just making me feel smaller and smaller and smaller. And, um, you know, it, it shattered my relationship with my family for, for quite a while. Um, you know, there's story after story we could tell. <laughs> about that. But I think ultimately it just brought me to my knees to understand that I can't cure this. I can't fix this for him. And I tried everything imaginable. You know, we went to a medical detox and swore and promised uh, that he would never use again. And two weeks later he was, you know, on his way to go pick up pills. And I think that's kind of what led to finally me realizing every, this is not going to stop no matter what I do. So I can either stand beside him and be prepared, you know, to bury him or I can hopefully leave him and that will create pain enough for him to want to get clean and sober. Absolutely. Right. And I think it's, that's definitely what happened. You chose to leave the relationship. And ultimately, through my pain and circumstances and intervention, I found help. Yeah. And I think a lot of people have found themselves in that situation that you were in. Do I leave? Yeah. Do I stop paying for this or that? Do I not allow them to stay in my home? And I think for us, your choice to leave, and what we would say is you kind of raised the rock bottom for me. So you left in, in let's say, January-ish around that year. And then by April, I was intervened on and, and in treatment. Well, if you had not, it could be years before I would have gotten help. I might not have ever gotten the help. Right. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about what it did to you just lingering on and staying in that relationship. But when you did finally choose to, to step away, um, it was not very long afterwards where yeah. I, I – was kind of had my back against the wall and I was ready. And I think what I'm trying to say is that I think by you doing that, that was just uh, one more thing that was on my mind and in my heart that led me to when the opportunity was given to take the choice to, to change. Yeah. I think I look back on it and I think, uh, I don't know how I did it. I don't know how I found the strength to do it, um, to disconnect from the chaos, to realize that nothing I, I was doing was helping you. And I was just really being a soft pillow for you to land on. I was, um, you know, covering up for you for with whoever I needed to. Um, I was financially, you know, providing you with somewhere to live. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, in every way, you drove my car. I mean, everything. And thank, I look back on that and I'm mortified. He drove my car high. And if something would have happened... I mean, I can't, I wouldn't have been able to live with myself knowing what I knew. And so I do think that um, eventually I knew 
that it would be the hardest thing that I did that I'd ever done. But I was so sick and tired of living in the chaos and the roller coaster and allowing this disease to dictate my life and my future. Wow. Very well said. And thanks for doing that because it led to season number two. Season number two, April 27th. That's right. April 27th, 2011, which was the beginning of, um, as your family would call it, the the sabbatical period. (laughs) Uh, They might have even started a little bit before that. They started before that. Yeah, probably so. They they had begun to to forget about me pretty quickly after before that. But that's the, the day that I checked into treatment and when my life began to change. And this uh, podcast is not about my story, but really ours together, Allie. And so obviously when somebody begins to get clean and sober in a relationship and and we had separated, if you will, we were not engaged and we weren't even boyfriend, girlfriend. No, you demanded the ring back. (laughs) Okay, we're going there. (laughs) No, we used it to pay for treatment. So I'm really glad about that. But uh, in the right direction. Thank you. No, I actually bought a home and did not give him the address and said, stay as far away from me as possible. That's right. And so there I am in treatment and I'm getting clean and sober and and naturally my life is changing. And I use this analogy. I don't know if you would like this or not, but a lot of times I tell folks when some person gets healthy, it can shine a light back on the other person's sickness. Would you agree with that? Yes. Okay. In short, you would, but there's some other details behind it. The point being that as I got clean and sober, I went and, and, and was running my own race. And the point is that the residual damage of our relationship was still left for you to have to pick up the pieces. And this happens to so many spouses and so many family members. Um, some of the addict goes and gets help. They get all the treatment. They go to the nice place. Sometimes, sometimes they don't go to a nice place, but they go to a place they're getting counseling. They're, they're around new friends. Um, so that hope is alive. They're in a beautiful home with amazing opportunities. And a lot of times the family is kind of stuck to left to put the, the leftover pieces back together, that residual damage. Talk to me a little bit about kind of where you found yourself as I'm getting clean and sober and working at a treatment center and even beginning to start hope is alive. What's going on during that sabbatical period in your life as we're not together? 